0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Lozniak. And I'm Rob Beyer. And this is The Debate Math Podcast. Debating mathy topics and mathy pedagogy with mathy people just like you. Today's episode is brought to you by the generous support of mathforlove.com. Wait a second, did you just say mathforlove.com? I did, I said mathforlove.com. I'm in love with math for love. Oh, me too. I use their play based summer math curriculum with several school districts in my area. Oh, I love that they have a free lesson library for teachers with all kinds of openers and classroom games. And of course, my favorite game, Prime Climb. Oh, I love Prime Climb. Wait a second. What was that website again? That was mathforlove.com. Mathforlove.com. Yes, you have to go check it out, everyone. Let's get into this month's debate. Let's talk Algebra 2. What is it? (laughs) Why is it important? Should we continue to require it? You know, plenty of high school students struggle in what we call Algebra 2. And many ask the dreaded question, when are we ever going to need to know this? And I know some schools and districts are starting to offer alternative pathways for students in their high school math options. So should we keep offering Algebra 2 for everyone? We want to dig deeper into this with today's debate. So we have two teams of two debating the resolution. Ditch Algebra 2. And here debating for that resolution that we should ditch Algebra 2, we have two wonderful educators. And first up is a former New York City public school teacher and MFA master teacher, a Fund for Teachers Fellowship grant recipient who studied realistic math education at the Freudenthal Institute in Utrecht, Netherlands, and who, before becoming a classroom teacher, worked at Space Camp in Huntsville, but sadly has never tried zero gravity before. Kit Golan, hi. Hi. Can you tell our listeners where you are and what your current role is?
1: Yeah, so now I'm in Massachusetts, and I work for Leslie University's uh, Center for Math Achievement as a secondary math consultant. So I partner with schools around the state of Massachusetts, supporting
0: them in improving math instruction. Awesome. And arguing along with them is a teacher who has been part of the team developing Ohio's mathematical modeling and reasoning course, parent of a host family to numerous international students, and a lover of all things involving canning food, Rachel Gorsuch. Hi, Rachel.
2: Hi, Chris.
0: Can you let us know where you are and what your current role is?
2: I am in Columbus, Ohio at Columbus Academy. I'm a high school math teacher. And I am currently teaching in my seventeenth year. Um, in a, I'm in a private school now, but I have a background in public and charter schools.
0: Very good. And now the question we ask all of our guests. I'm going to go back to you, Kit. Is when did math first become controversial to you? I
1: think it was probably ninth grade for me. Um, my first high school parent-teacher conference. My math teacher told me to stop asking so many questions because it confused my classmates. And it was clear that I understood the topics. And I always thought asking questions was a good thing. And what I don't think she realized was that I used question asking as a way to stay engaged because I have ADHD and I was always noticing patterns in relationships. And she sort of shut that down and I wasn't really confrontational as a ninth grader. So I just spent the rest of the year doodling in my notebook. In retrospect, when I became a math teacher, I realized that she was probably confused by some of my questions because I was noticing
0: things that she probably hadn't ever thought about. Excellent. Thank you. And then to Rachel, when did math first become controversial to you?
2: Strangely, it was in the middle of my test to get my driver's license. Um, the, the person who was evaluating me, were driving down the road and they're trying to make small talk. I must've looked nervous. And they asked me what my favorite class was in, in high school. And I said, well, I, I kind of like geometry and they looked straight at me and said, oh, that's surprising. Cause girls don't do well at math. And I might've almost hopped the curb. I did get my driver's license that day is the good news. Um, I also made a life decision that I would show him, and I went on to get a degree in math and become a math teacher. So I don't know if I should thank him or um, just forever be angry with him, but uh, clearly girls can do math.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Well, welcome to you both. And now we have a team of two arguing against the resolution, ditch algebra two, which means they're four, keeping algebra two. First up is the creator of two kids, a national board certified math teacher, and a lover of new experiences who's lived in four countries across three continents and taught in public, private, and international schools. In the last year, she learned to both juggle three balls and sail wooden boats. Mimi Yang.
3: Hi, Mimi. Hi, nice to meet you all.
0: Yeah, tell our listeners where you are and uh, what your current role is.
3: Well, right now I am in Seattle, Washington. Um, similar to Rachel, I started in a public school in the Bronx in New York. And I've taught, uh, you know, internationally in Germany and El Salvador. And currently I teach at an internet, uh, at an, uh, independent school here in Seattle, Washington. Um, I've been teaching for about 13 years. I've been in the classroom all of that time. And each year I've taught. Algebra 2 or some similar
0: course. Awesome. Well, welcome. Arguing along with her is Dr. Philip Dottori, who over a decade was a public school teacher for earning his PhD in mathematics education from Columbia university and serving as a visiting professor at Fordham university. Phil is currently an educational consultant and the director of education at the not-for-profit Phi Cycle. Hi, Phil. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me on the cast.
4: Uh, I know we just talked about it, but Phil, let us know where you are and uh, what your current role is. Yeah, I'm currently in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, as you said, I'm the director of education at Phi Cycle. It's a not-for-profit focused on teaching financial literacy and mathematics. And I'm the owner of an educational consulting company, Turing Consulting, where I provide guidance, professional development, academic coaching, and other services to schools, districts, administrators, teachers, parents, and other organizations. Um, like a lot of the other people here, I started teaching in New York City where I was an educator. I've been in education for over 20 years now. So um, I love it. I feel very lucky to be a part of this profession. And now we get to the question that we ask all of our guests. and Mimi, we're going to start with you.
0: Uh, when did math first become controversial to you?
3: You know, thinking about this, my first um, experience wasn't that interesting. I could have wanted to share more recent experience. Is that okay? <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. So when my son was... Um, two or something and he was in daycare they started teaching him how to count i was surprised they did it so early and then when he got to the next year and it was a different teacher the teacher did no math and lots of reading and even when i kind of asked if they do any kind of counting activities at school her response was very surprising that i would even ask that um so i realized that people um kind of view math and reading like on a different levels when they think that young children are not capable of thinking quantitatively. And I, you know, I just realized not everybody can of views the same thing and it's controversial.
4: And Phil, so, uh, when did math first become controversial to so you? Yeah. So two distinct moments in my life. Um, it starts and ends with uh, Bob Moses and the mm-hmm. idea of like knowing algebra is a civil right. If you haven't read about that, pause the cast, go listen to that I'll come back. Um, uh, and essentially, uh, in my first year teaching, I was, I had an academic coach, Rob Wyman, one of the best educators I've ever had the pleasure of interacting with. He's currently a professor at Rowan university. And he was engaging me in getting my students to work in groups. And those of you who know me, maybe know that making group work, the norm is probably my most popular workshop and collaborative learning is central to my work as an educator. Anyway, we were talking about how, when I was in school, I spent my time in math class trying to figure out what teacher was going to say next. My job, as I saw it, was not to listen, it was to anticipate and construct knowledge for myself. And Rob showed me essentially that it's not fair that all students don't have that experience. It's not fair that math class is a passive activity for some and not for others. And he basically helped me reframe teaching. Um, You know, it's not just that there's good math teachers and bad math teachers. It's not fair that all students don't experience math. That. And when you combine that with the work of Bob Moses and the concept of algebra as a civil right, it weighs very heavily on me. And I think it underscores the responsibility that we have as educators. Well, thank you both. Yes, thank you. And with
0: that, let's get into the debate. All right. We begin with opening statements from each of our speakers. You each have two minutes to present your arguments. And we are starting with the side arguing. For the resolution to ditch Algebra 2, hit you're up first, and your time begins now. When was the last
1: time that you used the math you learned in Algebra 2? If you're not in a very small subset of professions, chances are you haven't used it since you took calculus. Can you even name any specific topics that were taught in Algebra 2? On the other hand, when was the last time you used statistics? probably the last time that you tried to make a decision. Certainly, evaluating COVID risks relies on a strong understanding of probability and statistics. Our claim is that we need to ditch Algebra 2 as a high school course and replace it with robust and rigorous alternatives. We have four warrants to support our claim. First, Algebra 2 is an outdated course focused on symbolic manipulation that is that was needed before the advent of computers and graphing calculators. It paints the picture that math is contrived and disconnected from the world that students experience. Second, there's no consistency in the content of an Algebra 2 course. Sometimes it includes topics that are repeated in pre-calculus. Other times it is more of a Algebra 1 because it covers topics from Algebra 1. Thirdly, Algebra 2 is a gatekeeper course that provokes parents to push for more middle school math acceleration in the race to AP calculus by senior year. On the flip side, students who struggle in Algebra two may fail to graduate from high school because they cannot pass it. Finally, one of the main arguments that we hear in favor of keeping Algebra two is about the correlation between college completion rates and high school success in Algebra two. We should all know from our statistics course that correlation does not mean causation. So why are there so many students taking remedial math courses in college if Algebra 2 is supposedly preparing them? Algebra 2 is a major stumbling block in creating high school graduates who are mathematically literate in ways that matter today. We claim that we need to ditch Algebra 2 and replace it with a course that takes advantage of modern technology to teach students mathematical modeling skills that will equip them with a potent toolbox of problem-solving skills applicable to modern life.
0: Wow, thank you, Kit. And now we will hear from the opposing side, arguing to keep algebra two with Phil.
4: Phil, you have two minutes and your time begins now. Every math teacher has a specific way they like to answer the question, when am I going to use this in life? And most math teachers who've been teaching for a couple of years have a collection of responses. I suspect the reality that I'm describing is actually a failing of our approach to mathematics education. It's entirely possible that we've already failed our students by the time they feel compelled to ask that question. When I was a classroom teacher, I was all about relevant real-world examples, student-centered tasks, modeling, problem-solving, collaborative learning, and trying to place math in a context where students could connect with it and see how fun or useful it was. The more I engaged my students in these ways, the less they asked that question. In NCTM's publication, Catalyzing Change in High School Mathematics, they sought to address critical challenges in high school math. And they specifically highlight the need to ensure that every student can use the math they learn in high school to make wise decisions in their personal lives. They mention issues such as understanding the effects of compound interest, weighing the risks of different investments, and determining whether payday loans are reasonable options. Well, Algebra 2 is where much of this typically happens. I say typically because we could hold a debate, and we might, about what Algebra 2 even is. However, at its core, the knowledge and skills which that course represents are incredibly useful if we focus them on the kinds of real-world problems all of us face, regardless of our vocation, our finances. So mathematics is the tool you use to make wise financial decisions in your life. And while many people don't realize this, many of the tools of algebra were developed to meet the needs of finance. Finance is a gatekeeper topic in our world, and regardless of your profession and regardless of your background, you are engaging in financial decision-making, whether you'd like to or not, and whether you're aware of it or not. Saving money under your mattress instead of a bank account, taking out a credit card, taking out student loans to pay for college, deciding whether or not you're going to invest in your 401k at your very first job are all financial actions that are informed by the standards we teach in Algebra 2. It's indispensable knowledge. Math teachers have the power to equip students with the knowledge they need to successfully navigate their financial lives, and that's where it happens. So no, I don't want to ditch the ragtag, bloated collection of topics that we call Algebra 2. I do think the course needs a very serious makeover. It's too big and unfocused. I think Algebra 2 should be an applied course centered on real-world financial applications relevant to our lives and the decisions that we are all forced to make. Perfect. Right on time there. All right. And now we'll
0: hear again from the side in favor of ditching Algebra 2 with Rachel. And Rachel, you have two minutes. Your time begins now.
2: Thanks, Chris. So I want you to think back to your high school experience. When you to think of all those fond memories of factoring that you have and all those great times you had um, sitting at your desk, graphing functions by hand, because that's what I think of when it comes to Algebra 2. And my guess is that you actually don't have those fond memories, that you do want to have fond memories about real-life contexts that you studied. So as Kit said, our claim is that we need to ditch the traditional Algebra two as a high school course, replace it with something way more robust, way more rigorous, because there are so many more open-ended topics that we want to explore. We want students to have the opportunity to remember their experiences in math classes of applying mathematics in a meaningful way that intersected with their daily lives. As Kit said, our first claim is that many algebra 2 courses largely ignore the active role of technology in students' lives. We see students using calculators to determine solutions to the quadratic formula but we're not letting them use it to graph them and find the zeros. So we need to acknowledge the role of technology and update our courses accordingly. Second, what is algebra 2? We both mentioned it, we see that some topics are popping up in Algebra 1, Algebra 2, pre-calculus. We need to see what the content is and figure out what course it goes in. Instead of this, we're gonna put it everywhere. Thirdly, Algebra 2 is known as a gatekeeper course not only in high schools, but in states. Entire states have laws requiring Algebra 2 to graduate, and students are struggling to meet that graduation requirement, and are we holding them back? Finally, we have heard that this leads to success in college, but the college remediation rates I just don't know that they support it. So Kit and I do agree that Algebra 2 is not preparing students for the math that they need in today's world. And we claim that we need to ditch it and replace it with something that's way more appropriate for students.
0: Thank you, Rachel. And finally, arguing to keep Algebra 2, we have Mimi. Mimi, you have two minutes and your time begins now.
3: At the start of the pandemic, I couldn't understand why people around me were not anxious that the weekly infection data was going to continue to grow exponentially. Later, public health officials called for ways to flatten the curve, while others said that we should ignore the calls because we would all eventually be infected. There was such a disconnect between folks who were considering the functional nature of the COVID data and folks who were drawing conclusions based on feelings. As our society becomes more polarized, Mathematical functions are a critical tool to be taught and given to every citizen. Algebra 2 should be a required element of any high school math education. I have three warrants for this. Number one, Algebra 2 is the gateway to upper-level math. It's the first time we look at having multiple algebraic methods for achieving the same result. Or consider trade-offs between equivalent forms. Students explore these concepts by connecting multiple representations meaningfully in a way that makes their own innovation possible. Number two, Algebra 2 offers a systematic way to consider function. This lens fuels critical thinking and explores why while reaching learners with a variety of previous algebra experience. Taking quadratics as an example, I believe that the learning of quadratics is important precisely because the knowledge built there can be generalized to other function families, which creates a high ceiling for this introductory concept. Number three, Algebra 2 is about the nature of functions and their power to help with making prediction. We saw the average person's need for functional knowledge during the peak of the pandemic when looking at graphs in the newspaper. Every student and citizen will benefit from seeing mathematics as a system of collected predictable patterns and tools for analyzing those patterns. The skills practiced in Algebra 2 will serve our students well beyond the course. I claim that it should be required in any high school curriculum, And I hope you will agree with our claim.
0: Perfect. All right. Thank you all. What a good start to this. I hear so much passion. We had great, four great openings here. And I I see a lot of overlap that that, that I think all of you see that there could be some tweaks, some changes to what's in Algebra 2, and and you all want really good experiences for students. Um, I'm going to back up here for a second and and I'm going to start, I'm going to ask all of you this question, but I'm going to start with Kit and Rachel. Uh, What is Algebra 2? Like, what are like, the two or three things that you think are really core in most, let's just say most Algebra 2 classes, because I know it varies so much. What are your thoughts? What are a couple of things that definitely are Algebra 2?
1: Rachel and I just looked at each other and kind of laughed because I think that's one of the core pieces. Some of the topics that Mimi mentioned, like being part of Algebra 2, like quadratics and functional reasoning, we think of as Algebra 1 topics. Some of the things that I think... um I might consider being in algebra two are trig functions. Other teachers think about that as coming in pre-calc. So I, I don't know that I have, um, the data on this is exactly what's in algebra two. Probably delving deeply into exponentials is in algebra two. Um, but I know that in algebra one, we start looking at exponentials. So. I think that is definitely one of the core questions I have.
0: I
2: have to agree. I'm coming from an Ohio perspective. And so that's where I'm going to speak with the most um confidence. But I know that the state standards for Ohio have a starting quadratics and exponentials in algebra one. And then in algebra two, you do more with it. And then in algebra or when we get to pre-calculus, we're doing it again. Um, and so I, I realized that we need to differentiate for different levels. But what it feels like is that we just keep hitting the same topic again and again and again. Um, I would definitely say that most states are going to have um, the inclusion of probably logarithms in algebra two. But again, you're going to see those in pre-calculus. I know as we're just looking at the The AP pre-calculus standards and logarithms are a huge part of that. So we're saying on a national level through that organization that there's a recognition that many schools are teaching logarithms and pre-calculus. And I would say, so we've got polynomials, including quadratics, a heavy, heavy hand on quadratics. I think Um, we have our logarithms and then it's kind of this hodgepodge of maybe like some rational functions. Some schools are doing trig, but other schools are not doing trig. It kind of depends on which state you're in and how fast they're trying to rush to pre-calc. Um, I know that in Ohio, trig is a large part of Algebra 2, and a lot of people are saying, wait a second, if we wanted to go in depth, why not just hold off until we get to pre-calculus? So there's this this idea of I want to dive into every kind of math in Algebra 2. But have we spread ourselves too thin doing that?
0: And Phil and Mimi, do you want to weigh in on this at all? How would you define Algebra 2?
3: Um, I, I mean, when I teach Algebra 2, I think one of the key ideas is um, what is a function? And and I think that idea and like the relationship between input and output, Is that given an input, is it always possible to get an output? Given an output, can you go backwards towards the input reliably? I think that's to me a key idea. Maybe it's introduced in Algebra One, but it certainly gets explored and deepened into inverses and all kinds of things in Algebra Two. Um, the second is um, why mathematicians study things in categories. Like, why don't we take each individual function as a complete individual and study it in isolation? Why do we study families of functions? And with that comes, you know, the idea of transformations. I think again, some of these can get explored you know, in other courses as well. But I think Algebra 2 really has the focus on studying functions in category, you know, those characteristics that arise because, uh, because of the nature of the function and, all, and also the input-output relationship. to that's Algebra
1: 2. I'll
4: just add that, you know, when I'm working with teachers as an academic coach and they're assigned to teach Algebra 2, I very much sit down and say, so what is Algebra 2? And like open up their state's definition of Algebra 2. And you actually like really need to do that, I think. Uh, the second thing I do is own up to the reality that most teachers I've worked with at least don't get kids. The common core standard starts off saying, I believe, um, it says something along the lines of having mastered systems of equations in like eighth grade. That is not how my ninth graders in New York city have ever started ninth grade, having mastered systems of equations in eighth grade. And so what is algebra one? based on your school changes, what is algebra two based on your school, based on your state. And so I think it's really ill-defined. For me, at its core, algebra two is, and I think, I, I think Rachel's going to like this and that we're actually in a lot of agreement. I think algebra two at its core is one of the first places where we really get to engage one of the most ill-defined things in the common core, which is the modeling strand, right? If you look at high school, we have like really clearly defined like functions and all this stuff. And then we get to modeling and it's like three paragraphs that are like, this is real important. Um, and it's so important that we didn't articulate standards for it. So how many like textbooks are really hitting those standards that haven't been articulated, right? Where is that? I would argue that in my class and in most classes I've seen, like the first place where you really get to do that and really sink your teeth into it is algebra two. And so for me, algebra two involves a lot of mathematical modeling. When I think algebra two, I think of sequences and series. And to me, sequences and series are sort of how we often interact with functions when we're problem solving in the real world. Um, So I think that's one piece of it. But I don't want to try to list topics. I would feel like we should just like screen share the common core and look at each of those strands and pick the topics that stand out to us from each of those strands. Like it's no one of them. And to the extent that it is our state or our teacher or our school is failing us because it's supposed to be all of them. Um, So that's just like one thing. And then I also feel like... uh, that I feel like it would behoove us, unless we're going to change the topic of this debate, to define Algebra 1 as having a fuzzy border between Algebra 1 and Algebra 2, and to define Algebra 2 and pre as having a fuzzy border. I think the defin- defining, clearly defining between those courses is really difficult and underscores the difficulty of the conversation that we're having. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think based on our opening statements, we're all very much in agreement around that. So I'm like, don't know if I answered your question or refused to, Chris. Sorry.
0: No, Phil, thank you for that last part with the fuzziness. I, I think you've all alluded to like, really, we're all confused what it is. And so I think we're going to continue this debate with that kind of fuzziness in mind that kind of clarifies for us. Like,
4: yes, there's something about functions and quadratics, something maybe, but it, it all is kind of vague. It is the only place that I know where we really engage kids in stats before AP stats. And so I will also say that I think there is some statistics now that are two for me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because as I'm hearing everything, um, a large part of the conversation centered around state standards and here in Pennsylvania, like it's talking about each of you talking about algebra one, uh, in Pennsylvania, we factor quadratics, but that's it in algebra one and that's where it stops But uh, so it's, it's there, we're not finding zeros. We're not graphing where that that's just what we do. So then the algebra two becomes a lot larger ask, uh, Kid, I saw you uh, unmute real quick if you want to hop on and, and join in.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I bring a slightly different perspective than the other three teachers because I actually taught eighth grade and I taught middle school for my entire career. And I'm sorry, Phil, that none of my students ever came to you because they really did start mastering systems when we switched to the common core. And I know some of the curricula that I use that go in depth into that in eighth grade. Um, and so I would just argue that it's not even just fuzzy between Algebra 1, Algebra 2, and Pre-Calc, but it's even fuzzy going into eighth grade math as well. Um, so, yeah,
0: that was what I wanted to add. There's obviously a lot of fuzziness going on right now. <laughs> uh, Mimi, go ahead.
3: Can I just jump in that? I was thinking before this conversation that um, just for me, it's. felt, Problem that people think of Algebra 2 um, only in terms of its relationship to pre-calculus and calculus. Like I, I think, when I think about Algebra 2 and the uh, the merits that the course brings, it it's centered on Algebra 2 as a standalone course. And I think part of our frustration with the fuzzy border is that we feel like because students are going on to pre-calculus and then they're going to go on to calculus and there's only so much time, We feel like we have to shove so much extra skill that seem kind of disconnected to the core of the course into Algebra Two. So I, I mean, when I consider Algebra Two, like the merit of the course, I I try to think about what it offers students as a standalone.
0: Yeah, that's a good segue too, Mimi, because you know, large pushback on Algebra Two, and I'm actually going to ask this uh, to you and Phil. Um, A large pushback on Algebra Two is around the irrelevance jobs after high school not just like college but it's like jobs after high school we feel that algebra 2 content is important to success as professionals in most fields or any
4: fields but Phil, you can go first very very passionately that it is very important um so you know i think there's a lot of ways you can go with this conversation obviously like i think that the financial applications of the skills we learn in algebra 2 are incredibly important so you know for I, I train math teachers to teach financial literacy curriculums, and I, I try to give them problems where they have to use algebra two skills to solve real-world problems about finance, and they struggle to. Math teachers. Um, now, we know from the research that knowledge transfer is a huge issue. When we learn math in a context that's not in the context we're going to use it, we sometimes struggle to transfer it. Anyone who's ever taught math and sent the kids across the hall to the science teacher who then complains they can't convert units, that's like a very common trope, right, in high schools and uh, middle schools. Uh, but so, you know, I think that the idea of teaching math in a context so that we don't have to talk about the relevance, like I said, by the time people are asking if it's relevant, you've already lost them. It means it's not relevant in the moment to them. So, uh, you know, organizing, actually, I was was listening to the, is high school math relevant podcast that you guys had. I think it was one of the more recent ones that dropped. And, um, as I was listening to it, I was like, I wanted to scream into my microphone about like the relevance of some of the topics that the people who were not math teachers were talking about um, because like everyone has a 401k right and you don't need to trust well okay most of us should have a 401k um sometimes teachers are shielded from this world because there are pensions um, but uh you don't have to trust that your 401k works right it's actually the the standards in algebra 2 help us see why our 401k even though it's comp- comprised of individually maybe risky stocks is not risky over the long term, right? Like our, our rate of return is going to increase at rate R while our risk increases at the rate square root of R. So the longer we're in the game, the better and the happier we are. Those standards come from algebra two and understanding why I might want to invest into my 401k, understanding uh, simple things about ratios, understanding geometric sequences and series are all fundamental to understanding mortgages, car loans, 401ks, like how to interact at the workplace with your paycheck, things like uh, insurance. These are all informed by the standards we teach in Algebra 2. So I think that the lack of relevance is, is a lack of context and a lack of education. So meaning it's a lack of education about the relevance of these topics because we're not applying them in a relevant arena. We're teaching them in the abstract and then trying to back into their relevance. And by the time we do that, we've already lost people. And you've got tons of math teachers and tons of educators who are teaching the topic that currently do not see the relevance of it. And I think that we can't even begin to hope there are students will see the relevance of it if the people teaching it don't see the relevance of it. Mimi, you want to chime in on anything?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to backfill up in saying that um, a lot of times what I find, um, even for myself, you know, um, there will be sometimes you know, sometimes in math, sometimes outside of math, it'd be like concepts that I completely understand on an abstract level. And then I would be surprised when this real-world application comes along. And I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody had to point out to me the, the connection between the two. You know? um, and my husband, for example, does uh, some some innovative investing. And he's always trying to tell me about the behind his strategies. And when I tried to break it down to my, even my colleagues, some of my teaching colleagues, they sometimes have trouble following the conversation. Like it's, it, they know the math, and and yet when it's like in the context of something that is unfamiliar, making our connection is not automatic. And I think, um, for me, whenever people talk about the irrelevance of algebra two, it's really a failure in the way that we teach it, and not not that those concepts themselves are irrelevant. Um, so just like Phil said, because we teach us so isolated and cut off from. You know, um, like for example, I always think about you know do do students understand that cost of living you know it's growing by a percentage? What does that mean in terms of like you know our salaries getting adjusted not necessarily at a percentage like you know each year and and what that those growth trajectories what that looks like in the long run you know, like I just think about how these these linearity and exponential growth those are squarely in the in the arena of two and yet. Can our students kind of understand those connections um, and the relevance it has to our daily lives, really? And I think I said before, too, in terms of like consuming, just, you know, uh, just being critical consumers of data that is out there, like um, in the news, like when I read my epidemiologist that I love, you know, um, to be able to just follow their discussions at a very superficial level, it requires some understanding of what functions are and what kind of general methods are used in predictions. I don't need to know all the details of their particular conversation, but I trust, you know, the projections they're making over the next few weeks or next month, because I understand what modeling is.
4: This is a brief aside, but I just point out that Mimi just said she has a favorite epidemiologist. And I think that's fine.
0: (laughs) Um, And going to the other side with, with Kit and Rachel, um, is algebra two like a requirement for STEM careers and are we hurting students by cutting it?
2: Okay. If you don't mind, I'd like to, to start with this because this is part of my work in Ohio on the mathematical modeling and reasoning course. Um, we talk to colleges all over the place and ask them, what do you need to get a major at your university? And what we're finding is, yes, like the traditional, like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to go into math. I'm going to have like a degree in pure science with an end goal of doing research. Yes, those are needing calculus still. But if you want to go into nursing, which right now is a very popular field, you don't need calculus or college algebra at all. The required courses statistics and many many students who are in high school right now are not even getting the chance to take statistics because their high school is setting them up to be successful in Algebra 2 as a course. And so they might split Algebra 1 into two years and then have them do Geometry and then Algebra 2. And so these students are not even getting access to this course that I've heard several people on the podcast say is important, statistics. And so I think that the colleges right now are helping guide certain pathways towards careers. And there are many, many STEM careers. I I consider nursing to be a STEM career um, that do not require college algebra at all. They're requiring statistics and our students are not getting access to that.
1: I think I would add on that, you know, Mimi mentioned the idea of linear versus exponential growth as belonging to the world of algebra too. And I've never taught high school and I've taught linear versus exponential growth, both in a regular eighth grade course and in an algebra one eighth grade course. So I think that a piece of this argument that's underlying all of this is the lack of clarity around what high school course is what, right? And what should students be coming out of eighth grade understanding? Um, and I think that what I hear from the opposition is, you know, all of these important aspects of Algebra 2 are related to modeling with functions, which I agree is important, or are related to finances, which I agree are important. But then why not have a course that actually explicitly is on those two topics?
4: I think we should. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think we should. But but, but I think that what we would find is that that course would cover many of the same standards as what is currently being billed as Algebra 2. And so that's why I I actually, when when Chris was asking me about this, I was like, well, we might I might just agree with the Ditch Algebra 2 people, depending on what you think ditching means. Because I'm like totally okay with scrapping a lot of the curricula that's out there for Algebra 2 and reorganizing it. But in my mind, teach Algebra 2 means teach those standards, right? And th- and I think that many of the issues that have been put forth with the course are essentially that we're not teaching those standards well, relevantly, in the correct way. Like, I, um, we've often gone back and forth about like the statistics belong in algebra, I think. Um, right. Whereas, like, I would make a case that like there is statistics now. Um, and, you know, I, I like quickly did some Googling to audit myself just now. <laughs> and like many people would make that case also, although you can also do it without, obviously. Right. Like, um, but, but I, I do think that we are in stark agreement about the relevance of those specific applications um, and, and how much it can help kids. Um, and I don't know that the minutia of like breaking down those standards and thinking about what we call that course is less important. Um, but the idea that like those modeling standards are important, that those that logarithms and being able to model things that grow exponentially and ask questions like, like, uh, you know, going backwards exponentially, for instance, which kid, when you were saying, like, I don't know if that's algebra two, I think algebra two includes like where you finish that and you learn about logs and you learn how to calculate present value of something that grew exponentially on, um, and it's not finished until we get there. Right. And that's, and I think that's more of that gray border that we all talked about, but I something to call that out, because we both have been like statistics, statistics, um, <laughs> like exponential growth, exponential growth. And I think it's those fuzzy borders things.
0: I want to switch gears here for a second. I want to talk about um, the the topic Kit and Rachel brought up about being a gatekeeper for students. And I I wonder, how would you respond? I could see some teachers and some parents uh, feeling that if we get rid of Algebra 2, we are lowering the rigor or expectations or or something along those lines. How would you respond to that kind of pushback? So I want to start
1: with a reference to a mathematician's lament. Um, I think a lot of people here have probably read it or heard of it. But in it, there's a really amazing analogy that imagine music was a required course from grades K through 12. But, you know, students spent all of their time working with notation and writing their whole notes and their quarter notes and writing their sharps and their flats. And maybe when they got to college and grad school, they'd get a chance to actually make music and sing or play an instrument, but they had to wait until they had really mastered how to write all of those notes and how to copy them into the treble clef or how to transpose them into another um, thing. I don't know the music terminology enough. Um, But I think that that, unfortunately, is what our math curriculum has done to math. And so I would argue That we're not exposing our students to rigorous mathematical thinking if we're just asking them to regurgitate some symbolic manipulations, which I think is what many students experience as their Algebra 2 courses. I think that when we talk about the modeling, the making sense of real-world decisions with statistics and probability, that's more relevant and equally rigorous, if not more so. Because that's really what the power of math is for, right? Helping us make informed decisions.
2: I feel like a broken record, but I got to keep talking about what I know. And I know this math modeling and uh, reasoning course. And the reason we developed an entire brand new course, even though it does have a lot of these ideas that you've been mentioning, Phil, and Mimi, like it has a lot of that work with functions. The reason we developed an entire new course is because there is the traditional sorry, I want to say that there's a history to Algebra 2. When you say Algebra 2, everyone has a point of reference to what Algebra 2 is, including the teachers teaching it. And a lot of times it's more traditional. And so to break teachers away from that, sometimes you have to put a new name on the course, even if there's an overlap of uh standards, you need to give it a new brand so that they understand it's supposed to be different, that it's not supposed to be standing at the board teaching factoring and doing these repeated systematic ideas. It's supposed to lead with modeling and it's supposed to bring in the math to support it. So it, it's this idea of it being a gatekeeper, that history behind it is I think what creates the gate at Algebra 2 because so many people look at what it's always been and they want to keep it that way. But if it's not serving students, then it maintains that gatekeeper appearance. And so if you really want to meet students where they are and you want to do these new ideas, maybe get rid of this historical idea of Algebra 2, put a new name on it so that people realize it's supposed to be something different.
0: And let me take this to the other side, then the same thing as a, is Algebra 2 a gatekeeper? Like, should it be required for college or for a high school graduation? Uh, or, or should we get rid of it? So what should we do with it in terms of getting kids through high
4: school and then open up their options? Do I think we need to, do I think, do I think Algebra 2 should be a requirement? So I, I guess what I would say is that if my students could skip Algebra 2 and, and have that knowledge, that would be great. I've made clear that I think that I think those standards are really important. So to respond sort of like directly to Rachel's statement, like my, I have a three-year-old who is right now like really adamant about, stuff. he decides something and that is the way it is. Like if he doesn't want apples, he is not eating apples. If I could give my son an apple and call it an orange and he would eat it, I'd be fine with that. Um, so just like renaming algebra two is totally cool with me, <laughs> I'm like, but I think talking about something a little bit more substantial. So, um, so Yeah. I do think that that knowledge is indispensable. No, I don't want kids stuck in the cycle of endless algebra, taking state, state tests, failing algebra one, failing algebra two, and hating math. That's like a different conversation. But even I have to say that because it is clearly related. And I think where some of the feelings about algebra two come from. I, I also think that like a lot of what um, Rachel was saying was just like what I would think of as bad teaching, right? Like you were describing bad teaching that I don't want happening in any school and I don't want kids thinking about it. And you reminded me of some of my experiences with um, the Phi cycle course that I helped to write where we, we wrote an algebra course basically that teaches math. It's basically algebra two. You can use it alongside algebra one. And I was in the Bronx sitting next to a girl watching take this course. And we were like talking because it was group work. And she said she was repeating algebra. She was a repeater. But instead of taking regular algebra, they offered her this same standards, but in the context of a financial literacy course. And she turns to me and she goes, I really like this math. It's like so much better than the boring stuff we were doing last year. And I was just sort of like, This is literally the same math. Like I didn't quite phrase it like that to her. But <laughs> but but you know, literally the same math. And it makes me think of what you were saying as like a great idea. And you remind me of um the book building thinking classrooms and like the idea of just being disruptive, right? So um I I like I think those standards should be required. I'm reluctant to say algebra 2 should be required because I don't want the rachel's of the world to think that I am pushing the like um the negative impression that she has of algebra 2 because in my mind when I hear algebra 2 I think of like the beautiful modeling course it sounds like you started to write. Um and so I I feel the need to like make that um caveat. Maybe.
3: Um yeah, I mean I think um I think the uh, same as Phil, I think the content of Algebra 2 is very important, whether or not you go on to take pre-calculus or uh, calculus or, or are in a STEM field. Um, I mean, this particular conversation is about ditching Algebra 2, but I think an alternative, I don't think stats, sh- I think stats should also be a requirement for graduation. Um, and I understand that some students take multiple years to get through the Algebra 2 sequence. Um, so, I think geometry should be on the chopping block. I mean, when I think about geometry, I think about it as, you know, a lot of times students are exploring theorems that were used by ancient, you know, Egyptian to build pyramids back in the day. And like in this day and age, what is the exact relevance of those particular theorems that they're using in geometry? Again, another conversation that I don't think, I think it is a little bit um, of a false, Uh, some sort of mutual, it's not mutually exclusive. I don't think of Algebra 2 and statistics as being necessarily mutually exclusive. And the other thing that I wanted to kind of add um, is that, uh, you know, I think there is a a little bit of a false um, statement about how some of these, it's like a misconception that some of these concepts are taught and taught well in Algebra 1. Because in my experience, a lot of students take sort of Algebra 1 in in eighth grade. And it's not the teacher's teaching. It's that developmentally, a lot happens, you know, with students and the way they're able to kind of grasp what is happening in the real world, in the world around them. And what is their level of curiosity about data and patterns, you know, and uh, concrete things um, around them that are happening at a broader level between eighth grade and 10th grade. And I think that when students hit algebra 2, they're fundamentally primed to explore some of these concepts kind of more depth, you know? And so I often find even students who have quote-unquote taken an accelerated version of Algebra 2 in eighth grade, when they come to 10th grade, the more complex concepts, actually they didn't, like they may have done fine without the break manipulation parts, but the kind of the deeper connection, finer, you know, new, more nuanced concepts, often they don't have a very good question. In eighth grade.
0: Well, it sounds like Rob, we should have a future episode on ditching geometry. (laughs) But I think we'll end our questioning round there. And we will now end by giving each side two minutes to make their final arguments to you. And we will begin with Kit and Rachel. Your time starts now. We need a
1: thoughtful pathway to AP calculus in high school that doesn't require acceleration in middle school that provides students with the time to develop a maturity and a deep understanding of functional reasoning in early high school after really cementing their foundational knowledge in middle school we need to serve the developmental need of our kids in order to prepare them for whatever avenue they go to and really understand the root of algebraic reasoning without an overemphasis on algebraic notation
2: Agreed. It's time to ditch the historical Algebra 2 and replace it with more options that serve the needs of kids. Traditional Algebra 2 has left a lot of kids behind. Let's get rid of it, get rid of the stigma, the baggage, all that comes with traditional Algebra 2 and reimagine how we can get students to start thinking about math so that they can come at it from their own real world experiences.
0: Thank you. And then with the final word, we have the other, other team, Phil and Mimi. You have two minutes. Time begins now.
4: So we stand by many of the standards associated with Algebra 2 as being incredibly important to our lives and relevant to all citizens, regardless of the profession that you choose to take on. And while we recognize many can be cut, we think such uh, Revisions should be done with respect to real world applications to things like finance and modeling, things that are relevant to our lives and help us make decisions in our real world lives. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing that we believe is that something that's been talked about a lot is that one of the criticisms of Algebra 2 is that things get retaught in Algebra 2 that may be taught in other places, like we talked about those fuzzy borders. This is a larger problem that is not solely related to Algebra 2. If you've looked at any of the large-scale studies like the TIMS, We know that that's one of the main curriculums, main criticisms of our national curriculum as a whole, that things just get taught over and over and over again. And we kind of have that conversation about most grades leading up to high school. If Algebra 2 is going to continue to be historic, Algebra 1 is going to continue to be taught as it has been historically, we think Algebra 2 should be a relevant real-world application that finishes the development that began in Algebra 1, which many of us have noted. Finally, Mimi, do you want to talk about our third point?
3: The third thing that we wanted to say is that we recognize that there is an opportunity cost um, to requiring students to take Algebra 2. And um, a lot of times it, it can be a trade-off between that and statistics. Um, and we don't, I mean, ideally, like we don't think that that, that trade-off should be made. Uh, either, you know, you can incorporate some statistics in Algebra 2 or, you know, there could be other bases made in the pathway because we think that. There are two parts of helping students understand the real world better. They're different but the and it's not a need.
0: Wonderful. Thank you all. And this concludes our debate. Thank you for really pushing our brains today to really think deeply about what is Algebra 2. Well, and now it is up to our listeners to take a moment, ponder the arguments, and consider what resonated with you. And sure to go to our Twitter at DebateMathPod to share your thoughts on this debate. Should we ditch Algebra 2? And huge thanks to all four of our guests. Wow, you found so many places of agreement. You shared so thoughtfully and respectfully. And you can show that we can disagree or agree on things and still have a great a civil conversation. And also thanks to those who are listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed and learned from this debate. And as we wrap up, Kit, where can listeners find you? They can find me on
1: Twitter at MrKitMath. They can also send me an email at MrKitMath
0: at gmail.com. And Rachel, where can listeners find you? I
2: am also on Twitter at Rachel H. Gorsuch. And um, can I plug my next project really fast? I... I am really excited about modeling. I don't know if that came through or not, but I got the opportunity to work on a new pre-calculus textbook that has a heavy focus on modeling. So if you wanna learn more about it, reach out to me. It's um, going to be published by Pearson later um, in 2023 and it's called the Demand Weights Pre-Calculus book. And it's gonna be for the new AP pre-calculus course. And like I said, it's all about modeling every single section. So I hope if you're excited about modeling and pre-calculus that you reach out to me and I'll I'll see about getting you hooked up with um, a sample of it.
4: Thank you. And Phil, where can the listeners find you? First, I am excited about that, Rachel. So I'm excited to check that out. Um, but you can you can find me, um, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn at uh, Phil Vituri. That's P-H-I-L-D-I-T-U-R-I. Um, you can also email me at philvituri at gmail.com. Uh, You can book me for speaking, professional development, or other consulting services at deturiconsulting.com, D-I-T-U-R-I-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. And then if you're interested in seeing what an Algebra 2 course that has been revised to be about financial applications that teaches financial literacy alongside the Algebra 2 skills could look like, you can check us out at... uh, www.ficycle.org. That's F-I-C-Y-C-L-E.org. Uh, and there you can download a bunch of free resources for teachers who are interested in just like dipping their toes and doing super relevant real world examples. Uh, or you can you can uh, reach out and get a look at the full curriculum if you're interested in really changing things for your students. Thanks, Phil. And Mimi, where can listeners find you?
3: Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at until next stop. Um, I also have a really old blog I haven't updated in a long time, but people still link to it and, and you know it's it's uh, HTTP uh, you know, 1 double forward slash uh, until next stop at blogspot.com um, I also run a Facebook group for appearance well, um, you, you'd have to ping me on Twitter, I'd point you at it, but it's called Raving Math Loving Kids that's where you can find me
0: Alright, thank you a lot Wonderful, thank you all Want to learn more about incorporating debate activities into your math classroom? Go to luzniak.com slash podcast to sign up for my mailing list and get your first set of example debate activities you could use with your students today. Go to lezniak.com slash podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us with comments and questions on debatemath.com or follow us on Twitter at debatemathpod and follow along with hashtag debatemathpod rate us and review us on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. Your feedback is super important to us. Well, that's all from us. Looking forward to debating with you more next episode until next time. Cheers. Cheers.